got to tell you about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artist, particularly because it's the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. These creams from Escape Artist can help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort, whether you're training for something or whether life in general has got you sore. Helps with fast absorption. And you know what? You're not going to get your clothes or sheets all stained up or greasy. Best part is you can find Escape Artist Creams at your local Light Shade Dispensary. 10, soon to be 11 in the Denver metro area. Light Shade's got a selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now you can actually get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR when you shop online for pickup at lightshade.com or just visit a Light Shade location near you. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Now with your first purchase on StravaCraftCoffee.com, you can get 25% off your first purchase with code DNVR25. It's going to help with your chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that. And it can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. Head on over to StravaCraftCoffee.com. You get 25% off that first purchase with code dnvr 25. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's show, we do have a bit of bad news, and I'll get to that in just a second, but maybe to slightly take the edge off of things, we will have a bulk of this episode dedicated to Monday's live show, which you can watch over on YouTube on the DNVR Sports channel, where I went through the top 10 all-time Rockies minor league affiliates. And I, and I do need to point out that I did have Boise Hawks on my list, but I don't think I mentioned that. I went back and listened to the tape. I don't think I mentioned the Boise Hawks, but you're going to have to go through, find out where the Yard Goats are. And yeah, the Casper Ghosts, they are on that list. And where they are located may surprise you. So I hope you enjoy that one. Give me some feedback on Twitter at Patrick D. Lyons or hit me up on the email. Patrick at the DNVR.com. If you're a member, you know you already have access to everybody in our community, members, personalities, hosts, everyone, you name it. Reach out to me in our in our Discord room where we talk about Rocky stuff. Let me know how I did on my top 10 list. But the news of the day, we got to get into the first week of games have been canceled by Commissioner Rob Manfred. Opening day canceled, but really just pushed back. When when we have the first game of the season, that will then be our opening day. And so for the Rockies right now, we're looking at an opening day of April 8th against the Dodgers at Coors Field. But again, this is only if a deal gets struck soon, and I don't think it will. And please don't kill the messenger. Right now, the MLBPA representatives are back home in New York. The player reps, I believe, are probably still going to be hanging around in Florida. But nevertheless, it won't be until Thursday at the earliest that these two sides maybe get back into a room together to figure some things out. And they also need to figure out, hey, are players going to get paid for those six or seven games? Rockies are going to lose out on six. A couple teams will lose out on seven games. Are they going to get paid for that? Because they feel that they should. Because the owners are the ones that are canceling the first week. And so that's something else now that needs to get worked out through this collective bargaining agreement. Now, remember, right now, we could have baseball. We could have spring training games even if the owners did not lock out the players. Sure, 
this could potentially put us in a situation that we had back in 1994. For those who may not recall and may not remember me discussing this in, in previous podcasts, when we had the work stoppage in 94, 95, the work stoppage, again, is a catch-all term for, hey, the work is being stopped. The first part in 94 was a player strike. The second part was a lockout. And the reason why the players had a strike was because they couldn't agree to a new CBA. This previous collective bargaining agreement had ended after the 1993 season. And both sides decided, you know what? Let's try to go forward. We'll negotiate throughout the year, through spring training, through April and May, et cetera, and try to get something done. But we shouldn't shut the entire sport down. Let's continue to go forward. And the players ultimately said, look, if we don't get a deal by a certain point, we're done. And they were. And they continued to try to negotiate. They thought this thing would maybe take a couple days, couple weeks at worst. And they could not come up with an agreement. And the World Series was canceled in 94. Then once that year ended officially, the owner said, okay, now we're the ones who have the power. We're going to lock out the players. And that's what we have now. On midnight of December 1st, the owners were able to lock out the players so that we didn't have the exact same thing. Granted, the word is potentially. We potentially could have been in the same situation as 94. doesn't guarantee anything just because that happened once. Again, you could have still worked something out, but the owners have been calling shots this entire time. For all of the discussion over this past week, even the past 24 to 48 hours on Monday, I know there were a lot of people who stayed up late. I didn't because I really didn't believe anything was going to happen. Of course, I want there to be something to happen. I want to be not proven wrong because I, I it's not necessarily what I, I'm thinking is going to happen because it's what I want. It's just how you, how you read the leaves, man. It's just figuring out what's going on on all the signs and despite positive talk about progress. The bottom line is these two sides are not happy. They want what they want, and the owners are not budging one bit. They are spitting in the players' faces. It's bad. I'm surprised they even got as close as they did, and they really didn't get very close. Now, on Tuesday's live show with Daniel Allen Tuck of the Colorado Springs Gazette on YouTube, which you can find over on our DMVR Sports channel, you'll eventually hear that conversation on Thursday. But the phrase that I used was, progress is not proximity. These two sides did not have any proximity. They really weren't close. It's like making a list of your to-do to list, right? Making a list of things you need to get done. And you've got 10 things and the easiest things to get done, you do first. You check those off and you feel really good. And you look at number one, number two on the list and go, uh, you know, not yet. Let me, let me do this other thing. It'll only take me an hour or two. And then I'll get to the first two that are on my list. And those are the biggest things. Those are really the biggest things, and they are not making tons of progress on that. They, they were making progress on the draft lottery, the elimination of draft pick compensation for free agent deals, an expanded postseason, which we'll have to say for another day. Don't get me started on that one. I think that's going to be somewhat advantageous for the Rockies. I don't think that expanding the postseason puts the Rockies any closer to winning their own division but it does put them closer to maybe making the postseason a little bit more frequently. And so that certainly is, is a positive from, for some small to mid-market teams. So you do like to see that the overall quality of postseason teams could get watered down a little bit. And of course, 
you have this general concept that if more teams can be in it with a mediocre squad, because you are going to see some teams with 82, 83, 84 wins getting into the postseason. Well, what's going to happen in the offseason with those teams? Are they really going to need to add another player or two? Or they just cross their fingers, sit on their hands, and hope that, hey, if everyone plays really well, we can win 83 games and get into the postseason. So I don't actually have to do anything. I don't actually have to sign any free agents. And the players' salaries continue to go down. And, and now these core economic issues have really boiled down to the collective bargaining tax, that threshold, that soft salary cap that's becoming a hard one. I, I had said throughout this, I think the players are trying to do two things, and they'd be lucky if they can get one done. The other thing being raising the minimum salary, which is something that was going to happen regardless, but is it going to be raised enough? And the pre-arbitration pool, they got that done, but it wasn't quite to the number that they were hoping for and preventing some service time manipulation. Because if the veteran players are not going to get paid in free agency, which has been the whole point of all of this, when players finally gain their right to become free agents, if it's not going to happen the way it's been over the last 40 years, then the young players need to get paid. And there are a lot of implications with that. But that they've gotten a little bit closer on the owners are just not budging when it comes to the CBT. It's not. Now, players gave a ton on the minimum salary in the pre-arbitration pool, as I mentioned. Super 2 players who could get arbitration a year early. Again, if you get arbitration a year early, that bumps up your salary each and every year. Instead of having three bites at the apple, you have four, which means your fourth and final year can be that much more. I mean, look at what Nolan Arenado did in arbitration. It wasn't just because he was one of the best players in the game, but it was also because he was a super two player and he got a huge first year arbitration settlement at $5 million. And so that basically guaranteed that his, his next year was going to be that much more. So what he got in his second year of arbitration, he was at a spot that most of his peers were only in their first year of arbitration. So again, he got one additional year of arbitration and it comes at the end. It comes at the end when you're already making 10 to $15 million and now you're going through arbitration one more time. It is a big deal and the owners did not give on that. So it's still going to be 22% as opposed to something higher like 32%, which really would have only impacted about 15 players. But even that, the owners did not give in on it. With the CBT, with the collective bargaining tax, the bottom line is this. If teams are going to be penalized financially for spending money and keeping up with inflation, then you are going to see salaries continue to decrease. You are going to see that. Of course, the league minimum goes up. The pre-arb pools bump up a few players, just a few. But that's not going to offset the middle class of free agents who just are not getting paid right now. And if we start to see superstar players have their contracts go down in value, then the arbitration values will also go down. You can't have a fourth-year player. Like, think, think about Nolan under this system that the owners want. You can't have him making a certain dollar amount, making close to $20 million, when there's a multi-time all-star out there who's had their contract kept down because of a salary cap. And now when they go to arbitration, 
the three arbiters in that arbitration settlement hearing, they are going to very much side with the owners and say, well, yeah, no, this guy hasn't even reached free agency and he's under club control. So he can't make more than this really talented player. So that's going to actually, I think, force some arbitration values down. And again, that's only part of it. Look, I heard our guy Spilly say it the best. He was talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates, and therefore he's really talking about every team in baseball. The Pittsburgh Pirates are not a small market team. They are worth over a billion dollars. How is that small market? So sure, look, we can look at this through the Rockies lens and say, well, you know, how are they going to compete with the big markets? There are ways to do that without having a collective bargaining tax. There's absolutely those ways. It may not be a system that allows fairness for all 30 teams to make the postseason the exact same amount of times or win the World Series every 30 years. There may not be a system that works out that's going to be perfectly fair in that way. But if you try to come up with a system that does that, then you know who you're not going to be fair to? The employees, the players, the ones who we want to see. And so they need to be compensated fairly. And they're not right now. And I don't know when this is going to get worked out. I said March 14th was the day from the beginning of this thing. And I'm sad to say, I think it may be well past that. I really do think that. And so it's this, this day's already been a bummer. And, uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry to have to, you know, report on this. It is what it is, but I know you're a huge baseball fan out there, huge Rockies fan, and there's a lot of Rockies baseball that takes place outside of Major League Baseball. We've got the minors. I love this game. I love this sport. I love doing this every single day. I loved it during the pandemic. I love it now. And so the great content is not going to stop. The enthusiasm is not going to stop despite the fact that we don't have games and we don't have anything to speculate over as far as who's going to be the shortstop, what outfielders will the Rockies target. We're not really going to be able to do that in the way that we would in a normal offseason. But we've got the minor leaguers. We've got the normal minor league season. We've got some amazing people in our Rockies community, even more guests coming on. I do have a player interview lined up for Friday, fingers crossed. We can get that done. Head on down to spring training, talk with some more of those minor leaguers, and again, continue to bring really exciting, really positive, really upbeat baseball content, because that's what I like to do. While also, of course, telling you the truth, even when it might not be the happiest thing in the world to hear. But you know what? It's about to get real happy, because we're going to get into the top 10 Rockies minor league nicknames and logos of all time. I think I did a good job of describing everything that the viewers saw on screen. We'll leave a link in the podcast description if you want to watch and check out some of these logos, some of which I would not be surprised if you've never seen before. There may even be a team in the top 10 you've never even heard of before. But after hearing it and seeing the logo, seeing the colors, I think you're actually going to side with me. But I, I want to hear about your top 10 list, about your favorite Rockies minor league affiliates of all time. 
Big shout out to everybody who's been coming down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York to all of our watch parties. As you know, Nuggets going down on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Thursday, Avs at 7 p.m., Nuggets on Friday, 7 p.m., Saturday, all day watch party starting at 4 p.m. with the Colorado Rapids. Rams at 6.30, Buffs at 7.30, and the official, official watch party for the Avs at 8 o'clock. And then come by at 8 o'clock on Sunday and do it all over again with the Nuggets. It's always popping off. You get a member-sized beer when you're down at the DNVR bar. If you sign up for an annual membership, you actually get a free shirt at dnvrlocker.com. And if you just want to give us a shot for the moment, then guess what? It's only 50 cents for that first month when you head over to thednvr.com. We're always serving up that Breckenridge Brewery Good Company Hard Seltzer, the official seltzer of DNVR. But you know what? The tried and true Avalanche Ale right now is the brew for me. This classic American Amber Ale blends pale chocolate and caramel malt in a well-rounded, flavorful beer. It was crafted for balance, so it's versatile and a satisfying anytime beer. That's Breckenridge Brewery's Avalanche Ale. Delicious. Hoops fans, the latest from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is simply too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's it. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. You've heard us talking about it for months, maybe a year. That's basically you make multiple bets in the same game, and if those two, three, or four things pay out, even if they are the favorites, even if they don't pay out much on their own individually, together you can win a lot. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're going to break down the 10 greatest minor league teams and logos in Rockies history. Quite the task, quite the undertaking. And I will say at the front, disclaimer, this is my list. So you might not agree with it, and I hope you don't, in fact, because it would be almost weird if we had the exact same tastes when it comes to the Rockies minor league teams, their affiliates, their logos, and whatnot. So you can also email me, patrick at thednvr.com. Let me know what you think about that or hit us up on Twitter at dnvr underscore Rockies. Well, the Rockies have had, I believe it's 21 different minor league affiliates of, of various names, and six of them have had the nickname Rockies, so not terribly special. So we'll just get them out of the way. Central Valley Rockies in Visalia, California. The Bend Rockies, one of the original minor league clubs back in 93-94. The Portland Rockies, which will make an appearance here in just a little bit. They were the short season A ball in 95 through 2000. The Casper Rockies, again, put a pin in that one. And the Grand Junction Rockies, also not on our list. Two of the more current affiliates that they have the fresno grizzlies still early we'll see we'll see how much they can endear themselves to rockies fans they're obviously off to a good start with their low riders cap as well as the big tacos cap we'll see if they put one out with that apostrophe s on it 
but we've got Spokane Indians who they've got a lot of really good alternate jerseys. I think that could be one that where in four or five years time that could pop up on the top 10 list. Keep in mind all of these affiliates now that the Rockies have, they signed a 10 year deal. So they'll uh, have a much better chance of making that impact. Uh, now Visalia Oaks was a two year period in high a 2003, 2004 and the Lancaster Jethawks, who I did like, I did like, 2017 to 2019. They're no longer even in affiliated baseball. All right, our honorable mentions go to, first and foremost, the Carolina Mudcats. It was only about a three-year stretch from 99 to 2002. And I sort of feel like the Carolina Mudcats are the poor man's version of the Toledo Mudhens. When you think about great minor league nicknames, Toledo Mud. Toledo Mudhens is is probably the all-time minor league team that you think of, but Carolina Mudcats is sneaky good in so many ways. And then you also have the Salem Avalanche, who was the high-A affiliate from 95 to 2002. Ties in nice with the, the hockey team that we got now. That's one of those logos where if you can get a shirt or a cap with that on it, that is uh, sneaky good and as you can see here with the logo, you've got an avalanche of baseballs coming off the top of that A. So keep your eye out for any of those. That's definitely some serious vintage type material if you're able to find that wherever you go. But let's get into the top 10 of the greatest logos, nicknames for Colorado Rockies affiliates. At number 10, we've got the Tri-City Dust Devils. Now, they were around for a very long time, in fact, 14 years, and you might have seen Trevor Story play there for a little bit. There's Orion Spielberg's baseball card that you can find pretty easily if you go to Google Images, but the backstory on them was that the Portland Rockies were actually Colorado's short short season A affiliate until a group from Portland purchased the Albuquerque Dukes, moved them up to Portland, and then... The Portland Rockies needed a new place to go, and so they went to Pasco, Washington. And so the Portland Rockies logo is pretty dope. Again, another one of those rare things that you can't find. So they'll get a shout-out here in this spot as they were the originators before the Tri-City Dust Devils. Great-looking cap. I feel like I've seen some of you out there at the ballpark with a Portland Rockies cap on. So props to you for being able to get that. Now, the Dust Devil nickname is based on all the ag- agricultural work that's done in that area and the literal dust storms that will pick up from time to time. And, you know, again, it's number 10 on the list. They're Navy, they're khaki, so they're, they're, they're not tied in with the Rockies in that way like they had kind of originally and anticipated like the Portland Rockies were. They were black and, and purple. In this case, different colors, uh, but a good-looking uniform. They have upgraded some of their things in more recent memory, but Tri-City Dust Devils coming in at number 10 on our list. Number nine on our list of greatest Rockies minor league logos, the New Britain Rockcats. They were around for one solitary year in AA. They were the precursor to the Hartford Yard Goats. They're in New Britain, Connecticut. Trevor Story played there for one year, and then lo and behold, boom, they go to the go to Hartford to become the the Yard Goats. Trevor Story, David Dahl played there, and the logo uh, that you're seeing on the cap for Dahl and Story is similar to uh, the previous screen, whereby you had 
a cat who's kind of dressed up like Elvis Presley. And it kind of has the shape of an N and a B. It's, it's very abstract. But if you look at it, you can kind of see the, the NB logo on the right, how it's, it's an N and a B. And if you look on the bottom left corner at the Elvis Presley impersonating cat, it kind of has the shape of an N, kind of has the shape of a B. Yeah, you got to squint. But you know what? Hey, it's the minor leagues. It's an interesting little wrinkle in Rockies history. Number nine, the New Britain Rockcats. Number eight on the list is a club that I th- I don't see a lot around here in Denver. I don't see Rockies fans repping it all that much. But they were the Rockies' high A affiliate for 12 seasons, the Modesto Nuts. Now, they were known as the Modesto A's for 29 years before this and the Modesto Reds basically 30 years before that. But once Colorado came to town in 2005, they decided they needed to get their own identity. So the Modesto Nets, excuse me, the Modesto Nuts were born. And the the little mascots that you see are Al the Almond, Wally the Walnut. Again, not terribly creative, but I guess it's perfect for minor league baseball. And Shelly the Pistachio. They actually were pretty successful for a period of time. Jerry Weinstein helped lead them to the postseason, I think about five straight years from 2007 to 2011. So that was a spot that Nolan Arenado also broke out at where it was really his first full season of pro ball. Missed the first six weeks with a groin injury. Then he broke out in a major way, drove in 122 runs in 134 games played there in, uh, I think it was 2011. So... Modesto Nuts coming in at number eight on our list. Number seven is one that it hurts to talk about a little bit because they are no longer affiliated with the Rockies since this most recent shuffling of the minor leagues last season. It's the Asheville Tourists. This has really been the number one minor league team associated with the Rockies. The Sky Sox, obviously, just down the road in AAA was, for all intents and purposes, the the minor league team I think that most Rockies fans have gone to a game for. But the Asheville Tourists were the only low-A club of the Colorado Rockies for their entire existence up until recently. 94 all the way to 2019. They didn't field a team in 1993. But it's also one of the most classic minor league clubs in the history of baseball. In fact, dating back to 1891, there was organized professional baseball in Asheville, North Carolina. They were the Asheville Moonshiners. And their stadium, McCormick Field, which was first constructed in 1924, is still in use. Still incredibly beautiful. It's still something that ballplayers on the Rockies talk about to this day. And the, the scoreboard in the outfield is pretty neat. It'll show you know visitors on the top and on the bottom. It shows tourists because... That's their nickname. So you might get confused a little bit. Instead of seeing home, you see visitors. But one of the cool things, and it's an Easter egg too, especially if you're looking to maybe fill some time and 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 kill some time when it comes to your baseball content, watch the film Bull Durham. And we know the Durham Bulls are featured prominently there. That's the team of Evie Calvin, Nuke Lelouch, and Crash Davis, and the rest of the, the cast of characters. But at the end... When Nukalush gets called up to the majors and goes to the big show with all his cliches that he uh, spouts off at the mouth with, at the end, Crash sticks around for one more season, and you actually get to see him 
with a tourist's jersey on, one of the pullovers, those, those 80 style jerseys where it wasn't buttoned up or didn't even have the buttons at the top. It's just a pullover jersey that we don't really see very often. I think the National League uh, and, and the American League in the Futures game, they had those kind of jerseys. I love those jerseys. But Asheville Tourist is, is a historical name. Now, when we go back and we look at their logo and, uh, and Todd Helton wearing a Asheville Tourist's jersey uh, on his baseball card, we can actually see from this logo, uh, again, that, that original navy and red. But we can also see the newest logo that they've been using for about a decade. So they had that A with the happy little trees from, from Bob Ross in it. But all the blue, the, the royal blue, it's more of a navy blue. And baby blue, that came about in 2011. Brandios got their hands on and they said, hey, who's a bigger tourist than the moon, right? It travels all around the world, quite literally, and gets to see all of the world each and every day. So they tied that in. You can even see Mr. Moon with a baseball bat. It's really just a bindle with his, uh, all his, well, it's not his luggage. You know, if you're, if you're a backpacker, and, uh, and you're thumbing it. All you got is your little bindle, bindle like you're a, you're a hobo. They even have the moon with their with the ribs in his mouth. And they've, they've got even more various logos that's a take off of this. But you can kind of see. And, and it's that classic one for the Asheville tourists of, of the bear. That first one that many of you may have gotten acquainted with. It's, you know, it, it got dated at a certain point. But now you get nostalgic for the 90s and you say... It's just so perfect walking around with cleats, you know, sort of sandals, but also with cleats, you got the luggage, the cap, the camera, the bat. It's, it's timeless glasses, Asheville tourist, number seven on the all time greatest Colorado Rockies minor league logo slash nickname. We're not, we're not going to dig into the jerseys just yet, but the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially all of our DNVR members who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're extreme Colorado sports fans like all of us. And so now, when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Let's get to number six on our list of the all-time greatest Colorado Rockies minor league logos and it's one that some of you probably think should be a little bit higher and that's okay it's mainly because the top five is absolutely loaded it's number six the tulsa drillers that's a team again when you associate double a with the rockies so many of you think about tulsa in fact i do as well they were their double a affiliate for 12 years and a lot of the top guys came through there. We're talking Matt Holiday, Trevor Story, Arenado, Dexter Fowler, Chris Iannetta, Brad Hop, Charlie Blackman. There you can even see Matt Hop there with they almost toned down the blue a little bit in that uniform. I love that Sienna, that brown that they've incorporated. I think they've gone away from that a little bit because now, unfortunately, it is a Dodgers double A affiliate. But Tulsa is a spot where it's drivable, it's doable, where you could go ahead and, and take a trip into Oklahoma. In fact, I may have to be doing that at some point this year to see the Albuquerque Isotopes uh, get get some of their AAA games in if, if I don't have many more options. But 
you know, Tulsa and the Texas League is a lot closer than Connecticut, uh, where the Rockies' current AA affiliate is located and sort of a missed opportunity, unfortunately, when it came to that whole reshuffling that, you know, maybe the Rockies could have been able to get closer to home, whether it was the Amarillo Sod Poodles, again, driving distance. In fact, you could triangulate Denver with Albuquerque and Amarillo. That would have been cool. Maybe Wichita would have been another really good option for AA where you could have had a lot more of proximity like you did during those days of the Tulsa Drillers. So look, it's worked out for the Rockies, I think, in a lot of ways. That Tulsa Driller T is sort of a modern classic logo in my book. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that during the 2007 season with the Tulsa Drillers, some of you, of course, remember this incident. And it's it's notable not just for us in the Rockies community and, and, and the family, but it has long-ranging effects. And that is, you know, an incident that took place on July 22nd, 2007, in which first base coach Mike Kulbaugh was hit in the head with a line drive and passed away. It was, you know, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking for so many reasons. Obviously, this isn't something that, that should be happening on the baseball field. And immediately thereafter, in 2008, of course, MLB instituted that all first and third base coaches all throughout the minor leagues and the major leagues would need to wear some kind of hard helmet. And, you know, it's, it's one of those legacies that, didn't need to be a legacy. They could have just instituted something like that and prevented that injury from happening. And unfortunately, it's a shame that it had to take an incident like that for um, for that safety of coaches on the field get enacted. All right, number five, a lot of you probably think it might be number one. It's not. It's the Albuquerque Isotopes as one of the top Colorado Rockies minor league affiliate logos. Before they were the Isotopes, in Albuquerque, there were the Albuquerque Dukes with similar colors in many ways. Now, the Dukes were, for a long time, a Dodgers affiliate for 40 years. And that's why if you go to an Isotopes game, you're probably going to see a lot of Dodgers fans. It's not just because they're jerks. That's what they've been used to in so many ways. Now, what happened with the Dukes was they were purchased by that group in Portland that we talked about earlier that had implications with the Tri-City Dust Devils, but the team moved from Albuquerque to Portland. They became the Portland Beavers, and there was actually no minor league baseball, no AAA in Albuquerque until the team from Calgary moved down south, and in 2003, Albuquerque was back with minor league baseball. And some of you, if you've, if you've been down to the ballpark, you probably know where the name comes from, but if you don't, I'll tell you. Now, the Simpsons, which is amazing that it's still on the air, first and foremost, but it has a t- it has its ties to baseball f- forever. I mean, one of the first seasons, Homer at the Bat, is a classic episode, which they really need to do a modern version of that, where I think it was either 88 or 89. It definitely was at least 89, because you had Ken Griffey Jr. there. But the, the whole concept was that... Uh, Mr. Burns there, Montgomery Burns, for his softball team, he employed all of these major league ball players to come and work for the factory in, in some form or another. And it was all the best players. Wade Boggs, you had Roger Clemens, 
Mike Sosha, Don Mattingly, Ozzie Smith, a lot of Hall of Famers, Daryl Strawberry, some in the Hall of Very Good, and iconic. And you also had an episode where Homer becomes the mascot of the Springfield Isotopes, the local professional baseball team. Don't know if they're Major League Baseball or or otherwise, but he becomes the mascot, and they decided to bring that back in an episode in 2001 where, as it happens in professional sports, the owner was going to move the team from Springfield to Albuquerque. And Homer Simpson, the very large man who enjoys his donuts, went on a hunger strike to prevent them from doing that, to bring some awareness to his cause, and ultimately they didn't move. But two years after that episode had aired, Albuquerque had a decision on their hands. What do we name our new team? And overwhelmingly, I think it's close to 60%, the people responded and they said, well, we've got to be called the Isotopes based on the Simpsons episode. And so if you've ever been to that ballpark, there is Simpsons imagery everywhere. In fact, when we look at the logo, or I, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's the, the word marking on the logo itself. It is. Uh, on the word marking, that is the typeface of the Simpsons. You know, the Simpsons has a, goes across the screen. That's the exact same font that you see for the isotopes. That's the why it looks that way. The, the creator, Matt Groening, a big baseball fan, gave him the thumbs up and said, yeah, absolutely, let's go forward. You can use the name, not that he had any rights, but you can also use the font. You can use the Simpsons font, and it can be this, this lasting legacy. The, the boys' room, men's room, it's got Homer and Bart on both doors. The girls' room has Marge and Lisa. Now, the isotopes have also been immortalized on a show that's coming back. I think it's going to be in its maybe fifth, maybe sixth and final season on, on AMC, but Better Call Saul. We know it takes place in Albuquerque, and it pretty much... You know, Breaking Bad wrapped up and, you know, they they had their storylines that they had to get into. But Better Call Saul got to slow play things a little bit. I think you even saw it in the first episode. There was, you know, a little air freshener for the Albuquerque isotopes hanging from uh, the rear mirror. And there's been a little ties in there here and there. Bob Odenkirk and a lot of the Better Call Saul uh, cast have actually gone out to the stadium and they have you know, thrown out the first pitch. I think they even had a, a jersey that was emblazoned with Bob Odenkirk's face on it. One of the days that I actually went down there to cover the team in 2018, some of the stars were there, and I didn't get to meet any of them, but saw some of them in the press box. It was uh, pretty neat. So it, it's very, very iconic. It's becoming one of the more notable names, again, for Better Call Saul, for its connection to the Simpsons, and for the stadium itself, we'll have to break this down on another show, but out in center field, it has this unique wrinkle, and that's certainly an understatement because it's a, it's a slope. It's a hill. There's a hill in center field, unlike anything in, in Major League Baseball. There used to be one in Houston where the Astros play at Minute Maid Park, Tiles Hill. They did take it out, but they still have one in Albuquerque that's called the Topes Slope. It was also affectionately nicknamed after their previous manager, Glen Allen Hill. They called it the Glen Allen Hill. Yeah, because it was a hill. And I purport that it should be named after their new manager, Warren Schaefer, and it should be called Warren Peak. I might be a thinker. It's not very good. Everyone I've told it to, they don't like it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stick with it. And the Ice Dopes, again, a lot of a lot of the recent players have come through there. Herman Marquez, 
You also have Kyle Freeland. They are isotopes guys, and they're not Colorado Springs Sky Sox guys. So even, even in 2019, if you remember, Sam Hilliard and Roberto Ramos both hit 30 homers and drove in 100 RBI. And in 2018, Josh Fuentes was not only the rookie of the year in the Pacific Coast League, but he was also the MVP of the of the PCL that year for his his big breakout. So Isotopes and Rockies, you know, they've got a union that that has gone on for a very long time, and it would not surprise me in any way. In fact, it would almost shock me if after the 10 years that this current uh, professional baseball agreement that they have but with one another between the Rockies and the Isotopes, that once that 10 years are up, they they stick around and we see them for the long haul, very similar to what we had with the Asheville tourists. Isotopes, again, you're probably a little bit surprised that they are not in the top five. What's next? You're doing your math. You're trying to figure it out. You know who's definitely in this top four because I think for a lot of you, they may be number one. And they're certainly number one in a lot of aspects in all of minor league baseball when it comes to merchandise. And we'll get to them. But number four on our list is a team that you might not have even known existed. It was very brief for five years. Number four on our list of Colorado Rockies affiliate nicknames and logos, the New Haven Ravens. Yes. Now, I remember this team incredibly well because they came about at the same time in double a when i was a kid in new jersey and so this was just about everywhere the colors obviously really popped the black teal and white they even had a cap i think that you could find in stores they may have even worn it on field where it was pinstriped so it was a white cap with black pinstripes and a black brim you had the raven head obviously tied into the r of the word raven and so it's certainly not iconic by by any means, but it is this fantastic logo. There you can see the cap with the little eyelets that are black. It really jumps out, and it's not like anything you see to this day. And so it's very much a deep cut. Now, they played baseball at Yale University, uh, which is now actually named after the 41st president, George H.W. Bush. He played college baseball. There's actually a very good first baseman back then. And one of the interesting things you might not realize when it comes to expansion in major league baseball is that when the major leagues gets two more teams, the minor leagues need to get that many more. So you had in 1993 with the Rockies and Marlins, when they came about, you had about five new minor league teams. Now there's only four levels, low A, high A, double A and triple A, but there were a couple of short season leagues and rookie ball. And so for Anytime you've got expansion at the major league level, you're going to have expansion at the minor league level. So in a couple years here, whether it's Las Vegas and Nashville, two new major league teams, we will eventually get eight new minor league teams. So if you're out there and, and maybe you lost your minor league affiliated team and they're playing independent ball, maybe someday baseball will come back in your community, you're probably going to have to build a brand new stadium, but nevertheless, there is that hope. And so that was the case with the, the New Haven Ravens. They went to the postseason their first two years in 94, 95. Eventually, they did move to New Hampshire in 2004 to become the New Hampshire Fisher Cat, Fisher Cats. Number three 
on the all-time list of Colorado Rockies affiliated nicknames and logos. They're tugging at my heartstrings. It's this cap I'm wearing right now. It's the Colorado Sky Sox. I had to put them there. And they've had a couple iterations where they went away from their colors. More recently, you probably recognize them with the navy, the red, the white, the baby blue as well. But it goes back even further than that where the Sky Sox were originally an affiliate for Cleveland in 1988 through 1992. And once the Rockies became their own franchise because of the rules that are in place, Cleveland couldn't stay there. They had to go kick rocks. And so Sky Sox, of course, had to be associated with the Rockies. And they were up until 2014 when the Isotopes became that affiliate. And here you see... From you hear, you hear, here you see, this is a tongue twister for me. Uh, great job uh, by producer you hear who put these graphics together and is, he is uh, at the control center there clicking through. You can see Todd Helton in, to me, what is the classic Sky Sox, the green, black, and white. In fact, I can't even think of another college or minor league team that has that color scheme. Obviously, other teams are green and black, but none comes to mind for me. Now, in the basically the bottom right portion of those six jerseys that you can see, the top right corner is the jersey that Todd Helton is wearing with the green and black. And Mr. Sacco in the middle bottom there, that little Sacco character, I loved and hated simultaneously. I did have a cap that had that logo on it. It was kind of cartoonish before. You know, minor league baseball really embraced that in so many different ways. You know, Helton. Holiday, Garrett Atkins, Vinny Castilla, Cargo, even Arenado donned the Colorado Springs Sky Sox to help finish their development before becoming a Colorado Rocky. And for that reason, it really looms large. And Colorado Springs is where I was first introduced to Colorado. And Colorado Springs Sky Sox were where I was introduced to minor league baseball. So it's my list. I get to make it. Colorado Springs Sky Sox, you are number Three. Number two, if you're doing the math, there's two left. Number two is the Hartford Yard Ghost, the second best logo in nickname in Colorado Rockies history. It's a top 10 moneymaker right now in all of minor league baseball. It's amazing. There's so many different iterations of the goat that you see here with the gnarled up baseball bat that's been broken off during the holidays, of course. They have a candy cane in the goat's mouth. They will dress and uh, they'll have a hockey stick in the goat's mount for Hartford Whalers night. In fact, you can see Brendan Rogers there in one of those jerseys. It looks like it's, it's a hockey Jersey cause he's got the blue long sleeves on underneath, but it's just a pullover Jersey that looks like a hockey Jersey. So they do amazing job keeping that name alive. I think I've even seen a logo with a hypodermic needle in the goat's mouth to say, hey, we can get you the vaccine here at Dunkin' Donuts Ballpark. They have different color schemes. You can see the Ben Bowden jersey there in the bottom left-hand corner with the cream jerseys that accents mainly that, that green with a green cap. So, so many different iterations of the logo, of the uniform. Uh, the way they've they've played that out has been nothing short of brilliant. And if you know the, the story of the Yard Goats, again, 
reiterated from uh, the New Britain Rockcats in 2015. They became the Yard Goats, stayed in state at Hartford. But in the 2016 season, they played it entirely on the road. The stadium wasn't completed. Dunkin' Donuts Ballpark. They had all of these delays. There were lawsuits with the, the construction company and issues with the land. And so you go and you ask Ryan McMahon and Kyle Freeland and several other guys that played part of that year in 2016 with the Yard Goats, they played all of it on the road. They didn't have a home ballpark. And that's incredibly difficult when you're trying to develop your own abilities. And it's it's a tough spot in so many ways. And so they were able to survive in that, the Hartford Yard Goats. And, and now they've got one of the best stadiums around. They do an amazing job at their marketing and branding. And yes, they deserve to be number one, but I got them right outside because number one, as the greatest Rockies minor league logo and nickname, I had to do it. A rookie ball club, only four years in existence. It's the Casper Ghosts. Now, this was not the first team to play in Casper. They were the Casper Rockies for 2001 to 2007. But eventually in 2008, they adopted that logo you see there as the Casper Ghosts. And the, I don't want to say the rumor, but there there were caps that you could get as, as a fan, whether it was lids or otherwise. I know Hometown Collection rebranded these and started putting these back out around 2018, a good seven years before they shut down shop. But the deal was that white logo of the ghost face that has a furrowed brow, which of course looks like the red stitching of a baseball, but it would glow in the dark. Yes, you'd have a cap that if you wear in the dark, it would actually glow. And a couple teams, only a couple actually, have tried to adopt that. I know the Columbus Fireflies were one of those, but nevertheless, Casper Ghost were the first to do it. Didn't get sued at all by Harvey Comics or the owners of the Casper, the friendly ghost. That didn't end up happening, but they played games not too far, you know, drivable distance, if you will, from Coors Field, played up at Mike Lansing Field, named after one of Wyoming's greatest baseball players of all time, born in Rollins, but you know, raised and played baseball in Casper there. They dedicated the field to him in 2002 after he had retired the year prior with a really great career with both, you know, Montreal Expos and Colorado Rockies finished up for two seasons with the Boston Red Sox. And unfortunately, when the Monforts purchased the Casper Ghosts in 2011, because not all minor league teams are owned by their, their parent team, in this case, the Monforts did purchase the Casper Ghosts. They immediately went to work, fixed up Sam Suplesio Field, and moved the Casper Ghosts to Grand Junction, where they became the Grand Junction Rockies. And so now neither the Ghosts nor the Rockies are in existence anymore. There you can see Trevor Story in the Ghosts. I, I again, love the use of that sienna color, that, that dirt color there with the vests. Had so much going for it. So classic. So rare to find anything like that available. You will pay through the nose, through your teeth, whatever it may be, on eBay to get one of these caps if you can find it because it is incredibly rare. And that's a boon. If you if you can go out there and, and print off some more Casper Ghost shirts, 
Trevor Story jerseys, Arenado jerseys, whatever it may be. William Rosario played there as well. Casper Ghosts, for me, in my book, iconic, most curious, whatever it may be. They, they're number one. I got them number one on my list of the all-time greatest Colorado Rockies nicknames slash logos for minor league affiliates. Again, I'll run down that list. Number 10, Tri-City Dust Devils. Number nine, New Britain Rockcats. Number eight, Modesto Nuts. Number seven, Asheville Tourists. Number six, Tulsa Drillers. Five, Albuquerque Isotopes. Number four, New Haven Ravens. Did you know that one? Let me know if you knew that one and remembered it. Number three, Colorado Springs Sky Sox. Number two, Hartford Yard Goats. And number one, the Casper Ghost. That's the definitive list. Of course, we'll have to talk with plenty of our guests going forward here in the future where they would rank them all, all 21. Maybe not all 21 because, again, you had you had six that were just the Rockies. Grand Junction, Rockies, Central Valley, Rockies. Not terribly creative there. And we'll see. We'll have to update this list every couple of years because, again, Spokane and Fresno, they're doing big things with their marketing. And I think fans, we'll see what happens with the lockout. But if fans happen to go out to California to check out some Fresno Grizzly games, they might fall in love. You might see a lot more of that gear in and around town. Same for Spokane, getting up there to the Pacific Northwest, one of those places that Coloradans definitely have a special place in their heart. It's it's really one of the only places that's that's more unique and more special. It's not more special because I haven't been there. I like Colorado better than, than anything else. But it's one of those places where I think for natives, they think the Pacific Northwest is you know, a magical place for, for some reason. And you might find that too if you happen to go check out a Spokane Indians game. Email me, Patrick, at the DNVR.com. You can follow us on Twitter for all the great Rockies content. At DNVR underscore Rockies, I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. Also got a shout out, the producer here in front of the boards, behind the computer, got all the graphics together. Fantastic job. I applaud you, you hear, at you hear G underscore Vasquez. Give him a follow as well, especially if you like soccer coverage. Rapids coverage is about to be off the hook. He does it all. He wears all of the caps. Not not Casper Ghost caps, because as I said, they're very hard to find. They're very hard to find. So every cap he wears, except the Casper Ghosts. So for DNVR Sports, I'm Patrick Lyons. This has been great. But you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then.